So, um, Zechariah, there we go, Zechariah, we talked about before. Last week, we talked about Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, and he was interesting how he was called up before the Lord with his thumbs up. And if I recall, he was part of the chorus of the Levites, and so a chorus would come up once a month per year and would serve in the temple. The rest of the time, they were out taking care of the synagogues and things that were out around and the education of the people. But once a month, this chorus, he was up for his chorus. When they would stand the first day, they would put their thumbs up. A lot would be cast, and they would count off thumbs, and whatever lot that ended them, then you were the priest who would take care of the altar of incense. So his thumb was up, his thumb got called, and so he was uh, there before the Lord when the angel appeared to him. And you can read that story in Luke chapter 1, 5, of what happened when the angel Gabriel appeared to him. If you're not familiar with the story, we'd like to review at the end of that, there is a song that he has, and I'd like for you to look at that in Luke 1. If you would open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1, I'd like for us to do that, and I would, you would see here, that's on page 715, if you have one of, the hard, one of our hardbacks we provide. So we'll come down, we'll look at that in Luke, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verse uh, 76, picking up. Now, here's his song. This is his, what he's saying. And you, my child will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our Lord, of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine in those living on, in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And so it's no wonder that during when John came, and John came down to the Jordan River, he said, I'm a voice of crying in the wilderness, quoting from Isaiah, make straight the way of the Lord and coming. Jesus commented there was no greater prophet than John the Baptist. No greater prophet who was welcoming the Lord. Well, this is Christmas season, and we're all getting ready, I assume, for Christmas, and things are coming up, and we're getting excited about that. Maybe again, gifts. The greatest gift that could ever be given to mankind was the Jesus Christ himself, the giving to us. So now into Luke, and I'm just going to read this very well-known passage from Luke chapter 2, and following the story of what happened and getting there in Luke chapter 2, it goes on. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that was given in the place of Quirinius, the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth of Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and to is expecting a child. And when they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And the son, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. John and I have been to Bethlehem this last 
April. We were able to walk around and see that uh, place. There's a church, which we believe is the actual place where Jesus was born, down in the bottom there, which was a cave. But I'd like for this morning, as we think about this beautiful story, beautiful happened for us to think this through just a little bit. And I would ask, why was there no room in the inn for the Christ child? Now, that's, it's a most serious question. We just tend to run past that, kind of think, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not really think through that. Why was there no room? Why indeed? Why indeed was there no place for him? And as we think about that, it brings up thoughts and things about that because we know that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The plan that God had made for him to come, the whole thing that had been outlined for him from before the world was created, every detail had been worked out from the prophecies that came. And we can think of that, everything written right from the beginning as you look, as the scholars would look and see. They, the Jews knew, they were following the steps of the Messiah, where he was to be born. And you look at all the prophecies, there are over 300 prophecies out of the Old Testament pointing to the birth and an appearance and the death of Christ. Over 300 of them. Right down to the details of the slaughter of the innocents. All the other details were planned for. And it raises the question, well, who's in charge here? If everything else was planned down to the T, why was there no room at the inn? And she gave birth to them, but there was no guest room or no room for them. And so they were out in a stable. How could that be? How could that be? Well, the simple answer is other guests got there first. I got there. So, first come, first serve. Because basically there's no Expedia at that time. You couldn't pick up the phone, make a reservation. Now, I remember when we were traveling as kids and um, traveling with my parents, which we went a lot of places by car. You didn't go flying in those days. I remember when I took my first ride on a plane, it was a jet, 707. Oh, we thought we had died and gone to heaven. It was just amazing. But you didn't. You went in the car. You packed up your suitcases. You went in the car. And I remember traveling with my dad. And um, so it was getting a place that we needed to find a place to stay for the night. So he would uh, start driving, and my mother would say, oh, look, look. Bob, there's a, there's a place right there. We could say that. Yes, that looks good. That looks good. Let's see what else is here. Keep driving by. And, well, look, look, Bob, there's another one. There's a, we could stay there. Yes, that looks really good. Yeah, we could stay there and let's see what else. And we kept going. We drive through town. And now we're getting on the outskirts of the other side of the town. And finally, one's Bob, this is the only place left. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So we pull in there and try to find a place, and usually wasn't too great. I don't know if Dad was trying to save money or just didn't. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. But perhaps there's something more 
here than just other people got there first. Perhaps. Perhaps there's more for us to learn there. Perhaps other things had a higher priority. Now I'm turning personal. Perhaps other things crowded in and were more important than finding a place for Jesus to be born. Other things pushing in. This time of year from September up through the end of December is my busiest time of year because everything's being planned. School's getting going. Things are happening. Christmas is coming. Thanksgiving is coming. All these things are happening and going. And after the Christmas uh, day passes, it's just a kind of... Crowding in. Priorities must get this, must get, must get that. Well... Perhaps we could say it's because no one knew who was coming. They didn't know they were coming. You see, certainly if the innkeeper had known that it was Mary's son, whose Mary's son was going to be, he would have cleared the decks and saved the best place, right? If he'd have known that the king of glory was coming, if he'd known the king of the universe, if he'd known God was coming and that Jesus was going to be born, this would have been the best place. There would have been the band out there. They would have had the best room and cleaned everything up. Which reminds me that we never know when the great possibilities of God may come our way. We never know. Things come out of the blue. I came to retire. I didn't come to pastor. Skip Bell, that maybe some of you met, just retired from the, from the seminary, and he's going to be coming. They're going to be snowbirds, and they're going to be living here in Naples, and they've been to church a couple times. Well, he was on my doctoral committee at Andrews, and known him a long time. So he came to retire. He says, I can't believe, Bill, you're still going. I can't either. But you never know when the great possibilities of God may come your way. You never know. All I have to ask is, is there any room in the inn, in my inn, for him? Is there any room? If I'd known you were coming, I would have baked a cake. See, type of thing, you know? If I'd known you were coming, other priorities crowded in. Perhaps, perhaps there's one more thing that we might, might think about as we go through why there was no room. Perhaps, perhaps he was at the doorway of my inn today and was looking to come in and asking about lodging in my life. I love that picture where Jesus is standing and by the door and is knocking on the door. Have you seen that old painting of that? And my dad pointed it out to me and said, you look closely at that. Is there something missing on that painting? And I kept looking at it as a kid. And I, I don't know, I don't know, my dad. If you look closely, you'll see there's no handle on the door. And I said, well, what did the artist forget? He says, no, because Jesus never opens the door. You have to open the door. 
Is there room for the Lord to come at my inn and lodge there in my heart? I'm so full of other things, so crowded with other things. He says, well, Lord, if you don't mind, could you stay in the stable? How do I know when he's present? How do I know when, when the Lord is present like that? How do, I, how do I know about that? What would be the signs that God is present and being with me? Well, one of them would be, there would be great joy. Incredible joy always comes. Incredible joy always comes when Jesus comes. Now, something when Jesus comes, oh, it's going to be here. He's going to be judging me. He's going to see me poorly. When Jesus comes, there was always joy with people who welcomed him. Always welcome. We tend to think of him as the man of sorrows and is acquainted with grief because he's going to the cross and those things. And, we, and that is very true that he went and did that. But when Jesus comes, everything changes. When he comes into life, everything changes. You're not the same. When you let him come in, life changes. No wonder we sing the song, Joy to the World. Joy to the World, yes. Because a Savior is born. It, it begins with us the sound of, of being able to sing with praises to God when we realize he's come. Salvation has come to us. The tomb is empty and he's alive. So, when great joy comes, perhaps it is the presence of the Lord who has come. Or perhaps, perhaps we sense Jesus coming when we're standing in the presence of innocence, the innocence of small children, or things are pure, clean, undefiled. Not like what was on TV this week. I didn't see any innocence there without taking any political position. There wasn't the joy or the sense, the presence of God and the innocence of it all, did you? Or perhaps, or perhaps it is something more, perhaps it is when we're moved to generosity. Moved to generosity. Moved beyond self-centeredness. Thinking for myself. I think that's one of the great gifts. Great gifts. And Christmas is giving to others. When I was a kid, it was always, well, what's going to become my way? Not so much anymore. More interested, what can I give to others? What can I put a smile on someone else's face? How can I be generous in giving to others? So perhaps, perhaps finding room, sensing the presence of God there, is when I'm inspired, inspired to be generous with others and to put self behind. I want us to follow the little part about Simeon. Simeon was an old man when this happened, and it's recorded there in Luke. We don't often share that. We don't often refer to that. 
But Simeon was a godly man. Just listen to the words as I share them with you. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required on the eighth day, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. You see, Simeon recognized the presence of God, the presence when Jesus was there. And he welcomed the baby. And he saw the Messiah. And he was delighted to have that experience, that child with him. This Christmas, the beautiful story of Bethlehem the beautiful story of there was no room signifies to us, is there room in my inn, in my heart, to welcome Jesus just as Simeon did? Because it is our opportunity to lift up Jesus and say, behold, my salvation has come. Joy to my world. For the king has come. Dear Lord, I thank you for this story. I thank you for their journey, the beauty of it. Yes, even that there was no room. But Lord, I thank you for Simeon's prayer. May it also be our prayer that we can say, yes, there's place in my heart that I can open up and let Jesus be in. Come, bring joy, bring peace, bring generosity. Humbling experience to welcome the Lord. But what a beautiful thing to be his child. May that be our remembrance as we go through this great holiday in Jesus' name. Amen.